Well, earlier this week, actor Marlon Brando met with Jewish leaders to apologize for comments he made on Larry King Live. Among them, that, quote, Hollywood is run by Jews. The Jewish leaders accepted the actor's apology and announced that Brando is now free to work again. <laughs> I denounce anti-Semitism in all its forms. And I stand with my friends in the Jewish community. And that, Kanye, is how you buy yourself some time. He said, I can say anti-Semitic things, and Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Adidas dropped that nigga immediately. Adidas was founded by Nazis. And they were offended. I guess the student surpassed the teacher. It's a big deal. He had broken the show business rules. Is this a rule? You know, the rules of perception. If if they're black, then it's a gang. If they're Italian, it's a mob, but if they're Jewish, it's a coincidence, and you should never speak about it. <laughs> well, I've been to Hollywood. No one's y'all to get mad at me. I'm just telling you, I've been to Hollywood. This was just what I saw. It's a lot of Jews. <laughs> like a lot. see if you had some kind of issue you know what I mean you might go out to Hollywood and your mind might start connecting some kind of lines and you could maybe adopt the delusion that the Jews run show business it's not a crazy thing to think but it's a crazy thing to say out loud in a kind of like this Welcome back to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It's my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. Of course, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine, the author of many books, including uh, the just published The Dangers of Beauty, Conflict Between Mimesis and Concupiscence in the Fine Arts. Um, Dr. Jones returns to discuss, well, we can talk about the, the just this past elections that are I'm not even over yet, <laughs> some of the disputes and scandals. Um, and this, uh, of course, Conway West, uh, Chappelle, the sort of the war that Conway West declared on Judea or Judea declared war on Kanye. I don't know how you want to look at that. Uh, ongoing, this sort of this uh, a, a second crack up of the Black Jewish Alliance that was reassembled in 2016, courtesy of George Soros, and some of the scandals at the Justice Department, sort of this uh, overreach, or as, as, as you call it, the uh, Jewish law enforcement, courtesy of Merrick Garland. So, Dr. Jones, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine, Tim. Good to be uh, here. Oh, thanks for coming back on the show. So, uh, uh, we're looking at the elections. There was a, uh, a, a slight victory in the House. Well, I guess they took the majority. The Republicans took the majority, but they failed to take the Senate. And of course, we had some of the same problems we had in 2020, are reoccurring in 2022 in some of the same states like Arizona. There's been reports of ballot dumps in Michigan, uh, oddities occurring. I think. Uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, My pillow guy has he, he had a chart showing what he calls uh, Viagra spikes on the elections. <laughs> it just you have these ballot dumps and spikes for people. So 
again, accusations of, 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 of voter fraud, because this is a problem that's uh, inherent with mail-in voting, which is sort of ripe for, um, for ballot harvesting and fraud that the Democrats benefit from. So uh, what's your take on it? Well, it's an issue that still has not been resolved. We still have this same state of uncertainty about the legitimacy of these elections in the same states. So I think basically the, the one explanation is that the Democratic Party has conceded large sections of the country to the Republicans, but they uh, are going, they're determined to control certain swing states so that they can have a kind of razor thin majority to do, do what they need to do. I think that's, that's the best explanation of what's going on here uh, because the, the problems always recur in the same states. They're all swing states. There's no, there's no uh, question of, uh, ballot fraud in, in Indiana. The, the, the Democrats have simply conceded Indiana to the Republican column, and it's not going to change. But when you come to places like Arizona, Georgia, uh, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, you have the same problem. And it's compounded by the fact that you have, we're going to, you want to talk about this later, but I'll jump in on it right now. You've got, these are also problems of states that have Jewish law enforcement. Uh, specifically, Michigan, with uh, Dana Nessel, the Jewish lesbian, who's the attorney general there. Uh, if, if someone like this is in power, uh, you can never be sure of the election. You can never be sure whether it's a valid election or not. Uh, that's across the board in, in this country. Uh, so, but uh, beyond that, okay, let's, let's put that aside for now. I'm saying that in a crucial state like Pennsylvania, what happened is that... Um, the Catholic vote is the swing vote in places like Pennsylvania. George Marlin wrote a book about this. He said the Catholic vote is always the swing vote, but he didn't really uh, articulate what had happened to the Catholic vote. And that is uh, what I witnessed as a teenager uh, when I was in the uh, going to a Catholic uh, boys high school outside of Philadelphia in the suburbs of Philadelphia, surrounded by girls academies, uh, which were run by orders of nuns which uh, over the course of the 60s and 70s all converted to a new religion called feminism. Uh, this is, uh, I bumped into it seriously when I came to St. Mary's College at Notre Dame, the Holy Cross nuns had all become feminists. Uh, and once you become feminist, once the nuns become feminists, the girls uh, that they teach uh, become involved in sexual liberation. And if they do that, they oftentimes become pregnant. And if they become pregnant, they oftentimes have abortions. And once a Catholic woman has an abortion and refuses to repent, she becomes a Jew. And um, what do I mean? How do I know that? Well, because she votes like a Jew, because the Jews have uh, mobilized this group of people. It's called the Democratic Party. And one of the main constituencies there is women who have had abortions, who refuse to repent and are going to make wrong right. I think that's what happened in Pennsylvania. I think it's what happened in Michigan. Pennsylvania, you had a, a man running for governor, uh, Josh Sapiro, who uh, bragged about how he had taken on the Catholic Church. Uh, there aren't enough Jews anywhere to get anybody elected. You, all, the Jews always have to have some other group to be part of a coalition to get them elected. So Obviously, the biggest uh, group in this regard was the Black Jewish Alliance that uh, started uh, early on, 1909, with the founding of the, uh, of the NAACP, got new wind, the Black Jewish Alliance got new wind in the sails after the lynching of Leo Frank with the founding of the ADL, and they, the Jews have used Blacks as their proxy warriors up to this point. But in Pennsylvania, it was the Catholic women who were the swing vote. Uh, that was the same thing, I believe, in Michigan. As a matter of fact, like someone, guy I know who, actually he was a, one of the people who helped put Dana Nessel in office there, uh, told me that uh, it was women, suburban women. I, I, that's too broad a generalization. It's women who have had abortions. This is one of the crucial constituencies of the Democratic Party. And if they can mobilize these people in swing states, they will control the Senate. They didn't control the House this time, but it's only a matter of time. It's always going to be this razor thin majority, uh, which is indicative of the fact that the two, the two parties are not all that different and there's no real choice in the matter. 
So the other issue uh, with the election was that the Republicans felt they could win by just showing up. Someone once said 90% of life is showing up. Well, the Republicans feel that way. They felt that way, this way in the election. They did not, what, what did they stand for? I, I, can't, uh, I can't think of anything. Uh, what, the, the crucial foreign policy issue is the war in the Ukraine, and there is no difference whatsoever between the Democrats and the Republicans on the war in the Ukraine, with maybe a few notable exceptions, maybe, I don't know, Rand Paul, who knows. But uh, this is part of the problem here. You've got a, a, a situation just like 2020, where the voter woke up and realized that you know, two parties that represent oligarchic interests and no party that represents the people of the United States of America. Yeah, I can say the Republican Party may be able to win despite the demographic changes that have been imposed upon that country. They may be able to win uh, despite um, uh, you know, the uh, uh, electoral fraud, ballot fraud with mail-in voting. They may be able to win uh, despite not offering a, a valid alternative, a real alternative to the Democratic Party, but they can't win with all of the above <laughs> in play. <laughs> the, the exception here was Yunkin in, uh, in uh, Virginia. Mm -hmm. Oh, the incumbent governor, I forget, McAuliffe, I think was his name. He wasn't the incumbent. He was the return governor. The Virginia, the governor runs for one term, and you can't have more than one consecutive term in Virginia. Okay. So McAuliffe was the one that predated uh, uh, Northam. So that's how it worked. So he was coming back okay. to the governor. Yeah. All right. so, but, but effectively, he'd been elected one time before. Right. So he, he uh, was caught announcing that parents should have nothing to say about what goes on in the schools. <laughs> How stupid. <laughs> the Republicans jumped on it. It was a classic culture wars campaign. Uh, the uh, uh, Merrick Garland had demonized mothers who wanted to have something to say about the books that were taught in schools. And they were demonized, Garland demonized them as domestic terrorists. It was the perfect storm. How can you lose when you have idiots like this uh, shooting their mouth off in the Democratic Party? So Yunkin won, but he, he did take a, a kind of culture wars position. Mm -hmm. the, the other side, um, you know, uh, you know, Mastriano uh, was a, uh, uh, took a strong position. Uh, I don't know. I, I've already told you what I think about Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And from what I understand is the Republican establishment didn't want Mastriano to win anyway, so they, he didn't get much help from what I understand. So. That's right. That's part of the problem here, yeah. the Republican establishment. And and Trump was the, the, the savior. <laughs> Where have I heard this story before? He saves the party and then they crucify him. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that, that's the tragedy of American politics at this moment. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, the octogenarian uh, Republican leader in the House. Uh, you know, I, was, I looked at the, the results of the of uh, the election. I said, well, I guess Republicans weren't excited to return Mitch McConnell as majority leader, <laughs> you know, in the House and the Senate rather. Uh, and uh, yeah, and he again, he'd rather be, I guess, in control of a rump party, a minority party in the Senate than the majority party. Uh, because in order to get the majority, he would have to accept a lot of these candidates like uh, Blake Masters in Arizona that would have uh, perhaps uh, upset some things and how they have things set up in Washington, D.C. Um, the classic problem of the Republican Party, and Phyllis, Phyllis Schlafly uh, articulated, mm -hmm. they'd rather lose than, than uh, accept a, a, a leader who has some principle. So uh, this, so uh, Bob Dole got the nomination. What was that? Ninety two, ninety six. Yeah, ninety six got the nomination. Well, he was he was to take he was there to take the fall. His job was to uh, root out all the Buchanan supporters and expel them from the Republican Party. So he was like Wendell Wilkie. You know, he was elected. He was elected or nominated to lose. Phyllis Schlafly nailed that in her book, uh, and they've never gotten beyond this. The Republicans. Yeah, and it shows you just how important the culture wars in sort of the in the um, electoral politics. When you talk about sexual liberation and abortion, where people can be uh, pretty much uh, they internalize the commands of their oppressors and they become psychologically unable to rationally deal or even morally deal with some of these issues. 
And so, yeah, so they become Jews, which means they become, uh, you know, as you call, you said, it's a Jewish revolutionary spirit. So it transcends ethnicity if you uh, you come Judaized in your outlook on things. And that's part of what the uh, the culture wars and the sexual you know, revolution was all about, people embracing these these this way of life and these outlooks, and it's going to affect how you live your life. And the good example, if you look at uh, how it was broken down with the election, one thing is you can look at, like, I think, 66 percent of all people who own a firearm voted for the Republicans, 58 uh, percent. I'm sorry. Yeah, 58 percent of um, uh, of the white vote went Republican. Of the 70, I think 73 percent of people who voted in election were 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 white or called white and then 58 percent voted republican and it was 52 percent of married women i think well over 60 percent of married men voted so if you live uh what do you call a well-ordered moral lifestyle you're more likely to vote you know right wing or republican they identify you know for better or for worse the republican party they see it as representing them at least in terms of national politics so you can vote that way but you can disrupt that by creating legions of of guilt-ridden confused you know, insane people, which is what, you know, the uh, the cultural revolution has created in the past 50, 60 years in this country. Right. You can, uh, the, the two Jewish sacraments, uh, abortion is the sacrament of initiation for women uh, and sodomy, uh, or probably more so pornography is a kind of a, a sacrament of initiation for the men. Mm -hmm. And keep them from getting married, which is important to pornography, because you can't, uh, you can't relate to a woman and of course, women have trouble relating to men. And then if they don't get married, they don't have children, they're not going to have, you know, you wrote about this, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, the deal that, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're, we're poor, but we're sexy attitude of these things, where if you don't have a family and you don't have those responsibilities, you're not going to have the same concerns for posterity and these things tend to make you more conservative and right wing and uh, the way things work out. But if you corrupt them sexually, they just want to hang out in the gay disco, as you say. And they have no really concerns for the future, and you can manipulate them with these issues like like abortion, where they're more concerned about a theoretical right to kill their unborn child than they are about you know being able to you know afford uh, uh, food uh, for their family, keep a roof over their head, or even walk outside like getting raped or mugged. That's, yeah, you know. they've, they've disrupted that important transition. The, mo the most important transition is life in life is when you get married, because that's when you form your own family. And then you you have a position in society, and you have a commitment to the future when you start having children. Uh, that has all been disrupted by Jewish psyops, uh, largely sexual Jewish psyops, feminism, a Jewish psyop, uh, pornography, another Jewish psyop, abortion, another Jewish psyop, uh, and and uh, they have disrupted this this healthy culture. And replaced it with a, a culture of wounded people who can't relate to the opposite sex or don't then get married, don't reproduce. And that, of course, the, the weaker the majority gets, the stronger the Jew gets, because he's always in a minority. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. And it's it, it's been effective. It's been effective. Yeah, uh, you had uh, Chucky Schumer, uh, I guess the, the, the still the majority leader in the Senate, talking about the importance of mass immigration legal and illegal because for some reason or another the native population just isn't reproducing at the same level it was in recent generations so i wonder why that is chucky yeah did your, did your <laughs> people have anything to do with this chucky mm -hmm. so you know and so yeah you know it might be the demoralization of society through your control of of entertainment and pop culture and speaking of that we had this thing the past few weeks with Kanye West, right? This a golem that went out of control because he, I've described a lot of these, these inter entertainers and sports figures like he, Kerry uh, Irving. These are creations of Jews. These are golems, and they get out. They, apparently, they've gotten, they've broken at least, uh, gotten free of their chains, and they've, especially Kanye West, who uh, started talking about uh, his experience with Jews and entertainment, and then he apparently he finds himself canceled despite being a billion, a one-time billionaire. Yeah, I mean, I thought that uh, Dave Chappelle's monologue was uh, brilliant uh, because he, Dave Chappelle, understands the the prime symbol of symbol for the uh, for the black entertainer, and it's a gold chain. You know, it's like chains. That that's what you put on slaves, right? Mm -hmm. Well, these are gold chains. <laughs> <laughs> You're still a slave, but we're going to treat you really well as a slave. 
and it was brilliant. And so he, he talks about Kanye West, um, you know, shows up at this concert with all these rappers uh, and they're all out decked out in their gold chains. And Kanye West says, uh, you know, uh, that's only for millionaires. Uh, I'm a I'm a billionaire and I don't need to wear my money <laughs> or my body. And at that point, he lost. He, he crossed the Jews who were at the other end of the chain and he lost uh, he lost a billion and a half dollars within a 24 hour period. Yeah, that's it was like I think it was Reverend uh, uh, Farrakhan who said the man lost over almost two billion dollars in two days. And you have to ask yourself if that's if it's so easy to lose it. Did he ever own it? <laughs> you know, the whole point. That's the whole point of the chain. Yeah. You know, someone yanked his chain. But so, so he uh, he comes back to that at the end when I'm talking about Dave Chappelle. Now he comes back to that at the end when he says, "Put on your chain, nigga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Welcome back." So he's like admitting him back, but the price of admission back to the billionaires' club is you have to wear a gold chain. And you have to do what you're told. And that means you never say, though, put those two words together that he said. You've never put the and Jews together. So, you you know, you, you can see their control. They're the invisible hand here in this universe. Uh, and they'll give you a lot of money if you do what, what they tell you and make money for them. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, did you see the uh, uh, John Stewart and uh, Stephen Colbert interview? I saw a little bit of it. I I I I I, I kept waiting for Stewart to say get serious. Maybe I missed him, but he was just kind of, uh, you know, trying to uh, walk down both sides of the street at the same time. That's that was my impression of it. Yeah. He said he, he's making the mockery of the idea that Jews have have any like disproportionate or inordinate control. And his point was, I, he makes his joke was saying, I just wait for the day when we have a Christian president. Yeah, I saw yeah, as if. Presidents and prime ministers and congressmen are the pinnacle of power in our society. There aren't, there isn't power behind the scenes. They, I guess, you know, the, uh, I guess, uh, you know, uh, George Soros or uh, uh, who's some of the other Jewish oligarchs, you know, uh, Larry Fink. The Republican Party, Sheldon Adelson. Sheldon Adelson. <laughs> it's like, have so you ever heard of Bernard Baruch or, or Samuel Untermeyer? Or <laughs> John, we're not that dumb. I know we're yeah. team, but we're not that dumb, you know? Mm -hmm. It's always the always the the always the vizier, never the caliph. It's always the man behind the scenes, the man, the money man behind the curtain who controls the uh, the man in front. That's we're smart enough to figure that one out. But uh, that, so I thought that was kind of uh, juvenile on the part of John Stewart. Mm -hmm. I, I thought he just uh, would admit something honestly about Jewish control, but he didn't. He didn't. He's, he's got to maintain that same fiction himself. Well, one thing that struck me is with, you know, you know, with Chappelle, I mean, he came, he did that monologue. The reaction is just so, well, one thing it's, it's so, uh, uh, it's one thing it's neurotic, over the top, hysterical, and also solipsistic, meaning they don't uh, acknowledge anything on their part as being overreact or doing anything wrong. And, and it just shows that their, their capacity for introspection on these things and the presumption of entitlement. It might speak to the fact that this generation hasn't had any adversity, whereas previous generation Jews had to deal with some opposition and adversity. So they had to be a little cl more clever like Abe Foxman. And it looks like uh, Jonathan Greenblatt really is so entitled. He just not, he's not used to dealing with it. And so he's so over the top, which is why was that tablet called for ADL being disbanded? Yeah, <laughs> good article in the tablet saying the ADL has to go. Because that, that fault line was always there. Mm -hmm. I mentioned in my article, I mentioned um, Norman Pedaris. Uh, so 1963 is the high watermark of the civil rights movement. And you got Jews and, you know, blacks marching arm in arm in Washington. Uh, Abraham Heschel uh, holding, marching with Martin Luther King. And, uh, but the, the, uh, the other Jews, the little Jews, are the ones who pay the price because they're in Brooklyn and that's they're, they're the ones that get beat up by the blacks. And this is precisely what Norman Pedaritz said in his essay. Came out in 1963, the same year, and basically launched neoconservatism as the, the, the little Jews, you know, who were uh, not going to be invited to the big uh, black Jewish uh, alliance banquet. Uh, and uh, 
that had its day. I mean, they, they were rewarded. Pedaris and his wife, Midge Decker, were rewarded by being inducted into the Republican Party. And then they, 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 they behaved badly once that happened as well. They, they once you, <laughs> I'm just doing a piece right now. Uh, Father Hesburgh, famous Father Hesburgh, said, once you let the Jews in, they take over. Uh, God bless Father Hesburgh for saying that. He, That's he, the liberal Father Hesburgh. <laughs> same liberal Father Hesburgh. <laughs> Who marshaled Martin Luther King. Or he's <laughs> yeah, that's that, the iconic photo of Notre Dame University is Hesburgh and Martin Luther King singing We Shall Overcome. Uh, but uh, he, 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 he did say that. And uh, he, he, he should know because he's the one who brought the Jews into Notre Dame. He hired the first Jew who was, I knew well, a guy by the name of Sam Shapiro in the history department who lives around the corner and used to show up at my house periodically and uh, get into big, we'd always have these you know, discussions, arguments. Uh, he spent his entire life trying to convert me to Darwinism. And I spent my entire life at that time trying to convert him to Catholicism. And uh, neither of us succeeded. <laughs> well, he could be. He could turn you into a spiritual Jew by embracing Darwinism. That was his, his tactic, I guess. It was nothing. That was his religion. Yeah. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with Jews, but I mean, that was his religion. Uh, but uh, he told me that uh, he had been blacklisted because he had gone to Cuba. He was a communist who had gone to Cuba, got thrown in jail in Cuba. Because <laughs> he couldn't even get along with the communists down there. Uh, and then was blacklisted when he came back and Hesburgh picked him up. Uh, and Sam was grateful, but uh, the first, he, he's nervous. He shows up here. Uh, he feels he's got to give a speech to the history department. So they take him out to dinner. They all get drunk. And he said, well, can I give my speech now? Nah, you're not going to give a speech. The fix is in. We have to hire you. Hesburgh said we have to hire you. Uh, so well, why, why was that? Well, this, he didn't even get his bags unpacked. They turned around, sent him to the Ford Foundation. <laughs> So he was there to get money from the Ford. He was a rainmaker from the Ford, for the Ford Foundation. Like, hey, I'm I'm a Jew from Notre Dame, so give me money. <laughs> and now now Notre Dame's sponsoring what critical race theory and transgender stuff. Oh, that it's a disaster now. Yeah. Everything, everything bad. So the, the classic example now at Notre Dame is this this dean, uh, Father Olinger, gives a a talk, a video talk to every incoming freshman saying basically in order to be a good Catholic, you have to support sodomy. We already knew that, Father. But also transgenderism. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Let me, let me just ask you a question, Father. Uh, suppose some troubled 18-year-old guy comes to you in the confessional and says, I may look like a guy, but I'm thinking I, I'm really a girl and I'm thinking of transitioning. What are you going to tell him? Go for it? Hormones? Mutilation? This is outrageous. Or, or maybe, maybe the, 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 the priest in them will kick in and they'll say, forget all that bullshit I said in the video. Don't you dare do that. You're a guy. You know, either yeah. way, he's either a hypocrite or, or, uh, or, a, or a monster. Take your pick. You're neither as good. <laughs> Classic Notre Dame right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, one thing that struck me is one is that with the Chappelle thing is the reaction was where a couple of tweets by Jonathan Greenblatt. He said one thing he he says, you know, listening to Chappelle uh, caused him and other Jews to experience trauma. I mean, they they don't acknowledge the reason why people are laughing at the jokes is because it, 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 the, the jokes reflected a lot of truth. That's why it's funny. And That's again, the, the inability to look at their own situation, their own privileged situation and go, well, this is funny. People are laughing because it's true. Nevertheless, he has to play the victim. Everyone knows, I don't think it's sincere. I think it's just opportunistic. But he also said this other tweet. And this is this, I mean, I, really, do these people really live in reality? Uh, people, he says, it's time for the Jewish community to take a seat at the table to use our power as institutional investors to ensure co corporations are aligned with our values and don't fall for the anti-Semitic, anti-Israel pressures. That's why we're bringing, uh, uh, you know, uh, under ADL's, or I guess an organization under ADL's umbrella, but it's time. Like you haven't been doing it for more than a, almost a century, more than a century in this country. It's time. <laughs> Everyone knows you've been doing this. And yeah. now the answer is, he says, to don't fall for anti-Semitic tricks against anti-Israel pressure. So are you? I'm sorry. Are you a, far, an, a foreign an agent of a foreign government? Are you lobbying for a foreign government? 
Is that the job of the ADL? I didn't know that. Well, I knew that, but you know. But yeah, it gets worse. It gets worse. So uh, for, uh, his initial reaction uh, to the to uh, uh, the Chappelle speech was just kind of whiny, like why are why are you making fun of it? Well, because you overplayed your hand, Jonathan. You, Dave Chappelle turned anti-Semitism into a joke because of you overplaying your hand. But it, gets, it keeps getting worse. So today, I just got it before the, the show came on. Uh, uh, Dave uh, uh, Greenblatt tweets, uh, well, we Blacks and Jews, we were passengers on the same ship, you know, sailing against the winds of hate. <laughs> you go to the comment, he says, yeah, we were passengers on the same ship. You were on the deck with the Jewish slaveholder. We were all on the, uh, below the deck, you know, packed in like slaves. So the whole thing just blew up in his face once again. He he's apparently has reached the point where he can't open his mouth without sticking his foot in it. Yeah, this sort of this uh, trouble with the rappers, uh, uppity rappers, <laughs> is that it disrupts the Jewish narrative and their... Um, you know, Black Jewish Alliance, where they want to portray themselves along with Blacks uh, as victims, perennial right. victims, right? And so this upsets everything. Uh, uh, you know, so they find it very hard to manage because they look, they look really bad when they uh, have to like, overtly censor and shut down and, and shut down these, these artists who are speaking up. You know, and again, the inability to maybe acknowledge that maybe their business practices and the way they treated uh, these people you know, might might um, call for some sort of, uh, I guess, uh, a, re a reevaluation or something. But again, it's they're always the victims, and any criticism, any kickback, any feedback negative is anti-Semitism, which by definition, if not if not you know, uh, uh, de jure illegal, de facto illegal, and requires censorship. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, this is Greenblatt. Greenblatt is is totally tone deaf when it comes to 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 any type of dealing with other people. He, he is totally immersed in this Jewish victim victimhood narrative, and he's making himself more and more obnoxious every time he speaks. And now he's single handedly alienated uh, the group that made up the most powerful revolutionary movement in American history. The Blacks, the Black Jewish Alliance, she just blew up something that was incredibly successful as late as Black Lives Matter. In many ways, that was, the, I, I mean, you could say the civil rights movement was the high point, but if I, I compared this to the to the light bulb that, uh, you know, the, the right before it burns out, there's this brilliant flash, you know, gets mm -hmm. really bright. that's exactly what Black Lives Matter was. And they, they the uh, the staging guy, one of the main supporters of Black Lives Matter was the NBA, the basketball players. And he single-handedly blew that up by attacking Kyrie Irving. We say we used to say Kyrie. Yeah. At mass, but uh, that was a Catholic mispronunciation of the word, I think. So anyway, Kyrie, he attacked Kyrie for, a, didn't say, Kyrie didn't say anything. He just recommended a movie that was on Amazon. And, uh, you know, Green Black goes DEFCON 3, to use Kanye's term, against <laughs> Why did you do that, John? Is there anybody in there that can calm uh, Green Black down? Is there anybody who can say, you know, hold on, Jonathan, take a deep breath, okay? Count to 10 before you go DEFCON 3 on Kyrie for tweeting something about a movie. Apparently, there's no control there. Green Black can just, uh, he's got uh, that Twitter account. You know, take his Twitter away from him, okay? I can see there's there's got to be some a, adult Jew somewhere who can go into the room and say, Jonathan, we're taking away your Twitter again. Oh, you're, well, maybe. Uh, uh, bad, Jonathan, between one Jew, one Jew to another, you're bad for the Jews. <laughs> this is exactly what Lyle uh, Leibovitz said in that tabloid. Mm -hmm. It, it, yeah, he's causing he's causing the very anti-Semitism he's complaining about, and he's blind to what he's doing. Well, it's so overt now. A good example is as John Stewart went with uh, Colbert. He said, uh, "Well, I don't agree with this the way it's been handled, meaning the, the shutting people down for the criticism." But what he's admitting is that people were shut down, people were censored, which is admitting that there is Jewish power. 
So they're admitting their dominance by coming down on someone. He's a making he's making Kanye West and other people's points when they do this. And the very power that that ruins you is not supposed to exist. That doesn't you know. Uh, it's an admission right there. That, that, um, what what uh, Greenblatt did was so stupid that attack on Kyrie that there must there must be a reason, and I think the reason is that Kanye. Uh, made some really damaging revelations when he tweeted that stuff about his personal trainer. Harley Pasternak uh, says, uh, you know, uh, if you don't do what I say, you know, you'll be in zombie land and you'll, you'll, uh, I'm going to have you institutionalized and you'll never see your children again or, or something like uh, play dates won't be the same anymore, something like that. That was really damaging really damaging and the more you looked into harley pasternak it turns out uh what is a personal trainer it's basically he has contacts with the canadian psychological warfare operation and access to drugs that are so powerful they're not on the market and this is what he's threatening to shoot into kanye west this is really bad and on top of that it, you start to have memories of uh, wait a minute what were personal trainers called in the 1950s i think they were called psychiatrists and and, uh, and then I remember the story of Marilyn Monroe's psychiatrist, Mr. Greenson, who was uh, fond of shooting her up with drugs after he had sex with her. Uh, and she tried to break with the guy and he's not going to let her out of his clutches. And I think uh, there's I mean, there's evidence that he killed her. <laughs> Jonathan, you, you brought all this up. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for, for uh, bringing all this up, bringing all this material out. This is really stupid, Jonathan. I hope they. I hope Jonathan Greenblatt stays at the ADL forever. <laughs> he's going to ride that puppy into oblivion if he keeps going the way he's going. And the trouble is that the Jews can't seem to get his hands off the steering wheel. Well, that's one method by which I think they control something like Hollywood. One thing is. Yeah, not just the media and what's produced and making sure the material, but it's also the literal uh, sort of the mind control of the various celebrities that the machine creates. And we see that with the various you know, celebrities and that th this guy, Harley Pashnak, would mean that, you know, yeah, the trainer, but they keep them all drugged up and everything and controlled. Uh, and something as important as a celebrity, because you've always wondered, you know, celebrities have the capacity to have incredible influence. So that 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 would have to be under some control. And, uh, and that's how I think Hollywood, I think it was um, Black Cube is like a, uh, this private intelligence operation that's run by you know, former Israeli intelligence agents that go out and harass and they do the work of, of, I guess, of influential Jews, perhaps to keep things under under the, you know, under the lid and harass, you maybe harass witnesses and these things. And we got some hint of that, you know, with the with the sex scandals with Harvey Weinstein, right? Yeah, black black Cuba's harassing witnesses, and that might be one method by which they do that. And then, yeah, so yeah. they so Kyrie Irving was just was a distraction. Let's let's you know let's create a diversion. I think so. I think yeah. it was so insignificant. Why would you do something that stupid? Wreck uh, an opera a propaganda operation like the the NBA? That was really stupid. So now we know that. 70% of the players are black and 60% of the owners are Jewish. And if the Jew doesn't like the way, what you say, he'll, he'll fire you no matter how many points you score. Mm -hmm. Back playing again. Uh, he was under suspense. I'm not sure. I don't follow the NBA. So, but yeah. I don't, didn't he offer a $500,000 donation that they initially accepted and rejected? Yeah, I, think he has to, I think he has to go to the Holocaust museum or something. <laughs> yeah. So this is opening a huge form of social control like uh did you know by the way that every single fbi agent uh, has to go to the holocaust museum uh yeah i heard that i heard you say that i heard yeah i've, I've heard that from a couple of people i think they also have to pay for the ticket or something <laughs> yeah. well, I heard from the fbi so I'm, that's uh, that's for sure that, that that has to happen and that allows us to segue into the topic of jewish law enforcement Yes, Merrick Garfinkel. I mean, Merrick Garland at the Department of Justice says he's turned the FBI into sort of a uh, Americanized form of, of the Cheka, where he's going after harassing pro-life protesters. I think uh, many as three, uh, two of which had very, of whom had very large families, but they were oh, Mr. Was it Mark Hawk, who apparently had the temerity to um, 
prevent a, an old Jew from barking obscenities into his son's face out in front of an abortion clinic. And I, I said, the uh, getting arrested for preventing a Jew from shouting uh, obscenities in your kid's face is a metaphor for the country now. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So yeah. this is this is law enforcement now. Uh, this guy, the FBI shows up, 25 agents with drawn guns show up at this guy's house in Bucks County, drag him out in his underwear and handcuff him and take him off to, to, to jail mm -hmm. in front of his wife and five traumatized children. Oh, wait a minute, Merrick. I mean, isn't this, isn't this, so, uh, okay, he, what's he going to have, plausible deniability? It was Christopher Ray who did it. He's the head of the FBI. Well, it turns out Christopher Ray just gave a speech to, to all the ADL. Oh, no. And he's talking about how he, we're happy to have the FBI partner with the ADL to fight hate. Well, what about Mark Houck in Pennsylvania? I, I, this is more proof that abortion is the Jewish sacrament and Mark committed blasphemy. And mm -hmm. this is what you can expect now in Pennsylvania. All you Catholics out there, you got a Jewish governor and you got uh, a, a Jewish attorney general in the United States, and you're, they are both uh, rapidly pro-abortion, and they're going to politicize law enforcement and go after people uh, because they're pro-life. Yeah, people don't. I've I've tried to make the point that everyone's being harassed or Christian or Catholic, and you have a Jewish attorney general, and the report is that the the FBI isn't even. Um, uh, or, sorry, the Justice Department isn't even waiting for reports. They're actually, they're scouring the country for these incident reports of altercations outside abortion clinics, which you always get with protests. You always get these altercations, which local authorities don't even uh, uh, prosecute. But he's using it as a pretext to enforce this a law that, that that Chuck Schumer sponsored in the 1990s. Um, this uh, Freedom of Access Abortion Clinic, I forget, it's called the FACE Act or something. Freedom and access to clinic... Something like, yeah, and it's explicitly does not involve personal altercations. It's there for when there's an organized prevent to prevent access. So it, it's a clear violation of the law. It's abuse of power. And this isn't surprising. Uh, just recently, um, you can watch it. Uh, Ted Cruz was grilling uh, uh, Attorney General Garland regarding the his harassment of parents who were protesting critical race theory and um, and, and transgender stuff at schools in Loudoun County last year. That letter that it turns out the Justice Department had actually had uh, had, had, uh, had solicited from the American Association of School Board. <laughs> so again, it was creating a pretext. And he uh, he asked him directly, you know, you know, that isn't a conflict of interest that your son-in-law and daughter work for a company. It's called Panorama, I think, that makes millions of dollars providing curriculum or material for critical race theory programs. It's a conflict of interest, and he was, you know, the guard, he was squirming in his seat. I don't know if we'll come to anything politically, and, and of course, Ted Ted Cruz did not ask, you know, didn't bring up the, the ethnic question here. There, you know, the fact that he's Jewish and harassing, going after Christians and these things, and uh, but nevertheless, it was fun to watch. Uh, yeah. So, well, the, the uh, just to show you how bad it is, uh, that abortion clinic I think was in Philadelphia. Larry Krasner is the DA in Philadelphia. He's been impeached by the legislature of the state of Pennsylvania for not enforcing the law. This is more Jewish law enforcement. Mm -hmm. He's a Soros prosecutor, got elected with Soros money. Uh, but even he wouldn't uh, pursue charges against Hal. No. Now, has he accused the Pennsylvania legislature of being anti-Semitic yet? <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Oh, this is, it, it, I, I, wait a minute, you've, you've cried Wolfowitz one too many times. So. <laughs> As you see, Jimmy Raskin, uh, another, another one, he's a congressman from Maryland. He said that we have to fight Russia, the Ukraine, because they're, the Russia isn't feminist enough. They, they don't uh, have uh, gay rights or transgendered rights in Russia. And yep. apparently it's a Christian country. That That's the problem for Mr. Raskin, the congressman Raskin is that, it's culturally a Christian country. In fact, I think it is still, it's officially a Christian country. It's a Christian state. Oh, that's but, always been the bone in their craw. That's why yeah. Jacob Schiff gave uh, a lot of money to uh, Trotsky to overthrow the, uh, the, the czar and, mm -hmm. and the, uh, the, Christian, the Christian monarchy in, in Russia. Well, now it's back and the Jews are still trying. They're still annoyed. And now it's war with Russia to overthrow this Christian monarchy that has the temerity 
to it's not a Christian monarchy anymore to, to overthrow the the Orthodox Church, which is the official state religion of Russia, uh, because it has the temerity to defend the interest of the Russian people. Yeah, now it was it the uh, U.S. soccer team in Qatar is flying the rainbow flag <laughs> in Qatar. <laughs> That's apparently that's what represents the United States now. So it is it's the gay disco hey, export. I didn't look. I didn't make this up. I was in Berlin, and I show up at the uh, U.S. Embassy. It's brand new. I, the last time I've been there was during the Cold War in the in the seventies, where there was a wall down the middle of the city. So now it's all these new buildings. There's the American Embassy. There's the Berlin Bear, the symbol of Berlin, and it's got a rainbow flag draped around it. And then the next. Next to it is an explanation of what this means, which is basically that the official position of the U.S. Uh, government is to support the the uh, homosexuals who died at the Pulse Disco in Orlando. Well, that's where oh, so it's the disco. So then I saw I said uh, one of my shows, are you willing to die for the gay disco? And somebody cap ca captured that and turned me into a rap singer, you know, with this. <laughs> It was never too late. If maybe you get a Jewish agent. Put your chain on, nigga. Yeah, there's a that's uh, Krista. We have this lady shooting in Colorado, which is now is being used as a pretext to condemn critics of uh, of people who are grooming children. Apparently, this actually was a grooming operation. They offered uh, all age friendly uh, uh, brunches at this uh, transgender LGBTQ bar. And now, I guess we're supposed to acquire the fact that uh, allegedly someone went in and, sh and shot up some people. Uh, but that's supposed to mean that that it's because people are critical of LGBTQ grooming children and these things. That's type of that's the function of these of, you know, of these events, at least how they're treated in the media. It was the front page of the Washington Post. You know, you know. Meanwhile, I think last week three hundred people died of fentanyl overdoses in this country. So, yeah. That they don't seem to rate as much concern, or you know, no one draw draws a conclusion from like Daryl Brooks's uh, driving over white people in uh, in Waukesha, and they don't blame Black Lives Matter for that or anything like that. It never go cuts the other. It never goes both ways on this stuff. But but this is wearing thin, and uh, they their their claims uh, ring increasingly hollow, uh, largely because of what we're doing right now. This is mm -hmm. a powerful effect on. Uh, on the, the changing the narrative. Uh, I've also been on a number of shows with uh, Gemma O'Doherty in Ireland, mm -hmm. telling the Irish to go back to church, go to confession, go back to church. It's simple. It's not a big deal. You all have buyer's remorse now because you're all enslaved. You don't have any gold chains, uh, but you're slaves anyway. And it, it's been having an effect. So how do we know it's been having an effect? Well, because uh, Heidi Byrick issued a report uh, accusing Gemma O'Doherty of pro uh, promoting hate speech. Wait a minute, Heidi Byrick, that name sounds familiar. Oh, I remember. She was working for the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, back in about 15 years ago when I was just uh, writing the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. She's in Ireland now? She's in Ireland now. <laughs> and, and so the main, uh, the main problem that Gemma O'Doherty has is she she speaks to E. Michael Jones on a regular basis. So I said, Gemma, this is proof that you're having an effect. You are number one on the on the list to get rid of. And it's not it's not a joking matter because the Irish have just passed probably the most draconian hate speech legislation in the world. And it goes into effect in December. And they have basically the right to come into your home and you know, no warrant, just on the suspicion that you have a bad thought or maybe have said something, confiscate your computer, throw you in jail. I mean, if, is anything ever going to wake up the Irish to the fact that uh, I, what I've been saying all along is that sexual liberation is a form of control? Are the Irish ever going to start? Do they see now that the velvet glove of sexual liberation is really disguising the iron fist of political, tyrannical political control. What more do they need? Yeah, that's. Well, uh, you heard that the priest got in trouble uh, just for teaching church uh, teachings on sexual morals, or didn't? That's right. Homosexual criticized homosexuality. Well, that don't you expect to hear that in a Catholic homily? I mean, I'd expect to hear that. 
but again, yeah, that now it's basically they're making it illegal to be a Catholic in Ireland, which Look, really it, we're heading in that direction yeah. right now. Notre Dame, classic example, it's going to be illegal to be Catholic uh, at Notre Dame. So you start off, Hesburgh starts off, you know, alienates church property, er, but everything's going to be fine. You know, we'll be more Catholic than the Pope. No, it's not. It's not working out that way. There's a debate over there, college Republicans versus college Democrats. It comes to abortion. And uh, the guy, the Republican starts talking about, uh, you know, it's taking a human life. And uh, the Democrat at this point can't argue, can't put coherent sentences together. So you know what he says? I'm Jewish. Ha! I'm Jewish and you're being anti-Semitic because you're uh, restricting, you want to restrict abortion, which is a fundamental Jewish value. Everything that I predicted came out of this kid's mouth at Notre Dame. And the Republican kid, who they kept referring to him, they wouldn't use his name because he's a he's an Indian, and he's darker than the Jew who looks like a white guy. So that's that's not playing well here. So we have to forget about that fact for a minute. But the the, uh, the Republican says, "I didn't bring this up. You brought it up. You're the one who injected this religion into this." And and then he says, it just goes on and on until finally. The crowd at Notre Dame starts booing him. Well, he, he must have gone to school with uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, I think. As my, I think I think it's exactly what happened here. It, it's in the middle. He, he after uh, the debate, he wrote an article in the student newspaper, and he started, you know, try attacking uh, the, all of these people, Christian fundamentalists, and he then mentioned my name in the article, E. Michael Jones. Well, I'm I'm fly, I'm honored, uh, Mr. Ziegler, that you mentioned my name. But where did you find? How did you make contact with me? Was it listening to Notre Dame students, or did you were you prepped uh, for this debate by the ADL? It sounds to me like it's all ADL talking points here, uh, and that's supposed to be a, su a substitute for reasoned debate and coherent sentences. And when it does, when it starts to not work, then you just announce, "I'm Jewish." I'm Jewish and I have relatives who died in the Holocaust and therefore I win every debate. So it's and so then it comes out, their students come out, this committee starts supporting Ziegler and it's clear the direction they're heading. You will be banned from Notre Dame if you're pro-life. You will be censured by the, by the administration. We know we, we are heading in this direction. It's a completely tyrannical society, uh, a lot like Ireland. Yeah, yeah. There's an incident in New Jersey. I saw this on Tucker Carlson's show last night. A comedian, Josh Denny, he's a pro-life comedian, and he's spoken up about it before, uh, his, you know, how he feels on the issue, what he thinks. But he had a some show in this New Jersey town, uh, Rutherford, New Jersey, and Antifa organized a campaign on uh, Twitter of all uh, you know, uh, uh, platforms. And they threatened to riot, show up and shut down the event. So the local authorities canceled the event and they bragged about the fact that they canceled the event. Now, of course, this is illegal. Uh, this is tortious interference. You're depriving this man ability. He didn't, it wasn't a pro-life event. He's just a comedian who, who, who happens to be pro-life. But now they're organizing and, and shutting him down, silencing him, and, which is illegal. This is, I think it's called hectoring, uh, censorship or hector, uh, hectoring veto, hectoring veto. The Supreme Court has ruled on constitutional. And those who organize this, you know, at least can or should be held uh, both, uh, you know, legally and criminally liable for this. Of course, the FBI, Merrick Garland's FBI or Department of Justice, and uh, the FBI have no interest in, in investigating this. They're too busy going after, you know, uh, fathers of ten who show up outside abortion clinics and do a, do sidewalk counseling. But this is another way where they they use Antifa, which is a proxy for the FBI, Merrick Garland's Justice Department, to shut down free speech. The same way that they use um, intimidation, you know, accusing people of being terrorists or organizing groups like Unit 8200 being inf infiltrating uh, all the uh, high tech, the big tech companies that Google, control they Google, they were Google the Israelis, the Jews, they run Google, the uh, Facebook and these things and, or Twitter for that matter up until uh, recently. And they stifle everything. And we talk about elections, fraud and voting. But of course, a big part of elections is the flow of information, the media. And we do know for several years now, there has been 
a cabal, a conspiracy, if you will, to suppress information, whether it's the Hunter, Hunter Biden laptop story, questions regarding COVID and, and, and the jab, any number of issues. The Department of Justice, there was a lawsuit, I think the Intercept ran a, a piece recently exposing the coordination between Department of Homeland Security, FBI, DOJ, the Biden administration to suppress information, which is a violation of the First Amendment and criminal, uh, but they're suppressing all this information. Then we <laughs> find out that more than a thousand agents of, of Israel's uh, infamous Unit 8200 have infiltrated all these tech companies. And this is a national security concern, but you can't question it because if you do question it, you're an anti-Semite by their, by their standards. Yeah. Well, this is Jewish law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Things got to be done here. I think I proposed this before. Anybody with uh, uh, dual citizenship should be barred from being in the government. That would be a, f a first step in the right direction, but only a first step because the people have to uh, regain this country back from the Jews who have taken it over. How much more? How many more incidents do we have to have here before we're understanding that we are all being crushed under the boot of of uh, of, of Jewish terrorists? Who make the who make the Cheka look uh, uh, mild by comparison? Did you uh, before I let you go tonight? Get your thoughts on this uh, FTX scandal and its ties to the Ukraine and Democratic Party? It's another Jew. Oh no! <laughs> Why did you bring this up? Why you must be an anti-Semite? <laughs> this, this is like makes Bernie Madoff look like nothing by comparison. It's a, it's a, a money laundering operation created by a Jew with, uh, so, uh, with connections to the Ukraine. So basically, um, the uh, Biden administration sends money over to uh, Zelensky. Then Zelensky passes the money on to this, this Jew, either FTX or what was there? They had an investment, Alameda. Alameda, yeah. Alameda is then going to invest it in a Ponzi scheme and then make a lot of money. And then, uh, oh, by the way, and we're going to skim off about $40 million and give it to the Democratic Party so that they don't prosecute us. Well, wait a minute. This is how bad does it have to get here? You know, how bad does it have to get? Where? So, uh, but again, uh, uh, is, is Jewish law enforcement going to kick in uh, when they have to prosecute one of their own? No, I don't. I don't see it happening. I'll be. I'll be. Uh, I'll. I'll be happy to recant when it happens, but I don't see it happening. I that it will be like uh, Epstein's first deal. The the guy uh, in Florida got an award from the ADL because he gave uh, Epstein a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. That's a that's Jew that's Jewish law enforcement. Yeah, there was a, 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 a I think a meeting or a, some sort of program sponsored by the New York Times for November 30th featuring featuring um, Sam Bankman Fried, uh, 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 Janet Yellen. Uh, who you know, the, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and some other Jew, <laughs> and they're going to talk about finance or something. I don't know if it's been canceled yet, but then nevertheless, you, you have people all involved. Yeah, sorry, yeah, the, the other guy was 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 Zelensky, uh, Sam Beckman-Fried, Zelensky, Mark Zuckerberg, and Janet Yellen. Are there too uh, many Jews here? Wait a minute. <laughs> Well, pattern recognition is anti-Semitism and it is bigotry. But then again, it's like, wait, who's involved with the biggest fraud here? Is it Sam Beckman fried? Is it Zelensky in Ukraine in that operation? Is it uh, Mark Zuckerberg in Facebook? Or is it Janet Yellen who's in charge of the Treasury, which is U.S. bond market, which is the biggest fraud operation around, I think, right? <laughs> I mean, because she comes from the Federal Reserve, too. And, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's something else. It's the, something whole, else. The, the whole sanctions office is a Jewish operation that's run out of the Treasury Department. That's and right. People all across the world. That's right. And of course, Henry Morgenthau was at the Treasury Department, right? Absolutely. And that's kind of where the, that was the, the, the genesis, I believe, of the whole Holocaust narrative. Because uh, they controlled the uh, refugee relocation program, right? which the storage originally came out of, which morphed into the, the narrative that we know we know all too well now. Um, so, well, don't you have a, uh, I, mean, I know you've, you've been serializing articles in Culture Wars regarding that issue. You have a book coming out on that soon? I do. And is that next, early next year sometime you think, or? Next year, yeah. Yeah, okay. we're, we're working, assembling it, making sure everything's okay. But okay. 
we've we've already serialized some of the articles in uh, Culture Wars that you'll have a taste of what's what's to come uh, in the book. Yeah, I've read a few of them. It's a lot of yeah, yeah you cite the research, you know, of uh, oh, what's that German chemist? What's his name? Germar Rudolph. Germar Rudolph, yeah, in there. Yeah. And uh, that doctor that, at Auschwitz, it was very interesting to me about him. Uh, uh, the the angel of Auschwitz was that was a very interesting article. But the for, uh, the inmates at Auschwitz pleaded with him not to leave because and and one of them did a drawing of him skewering a louse. That's that's on the cover. That's on yeah. the cover. That drawing. Yeah. An inmate at Auschwitz begging this guy, German doctor, not to leave because of all the work he's done uh, pr protecting them from disease by instituting measures of hygiene. Mm -hmm. That was uh, one of the Jews there uh, praising him by doing this drawing of him spearing the louse, which everybody knew was the main source of death at Auschwitz at that time. What was his name again? Wirt. Oh, no, the, the doctor. Wirt. Wirt? Okay. W-I-R-T-H-S. Okay. Oh, e Edward, right? Yes, yes. Uh, oh, so I, so I pronounced it. Okay, yeah, that's German. You're doing the German. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't recognize it was Edward Wirt, right? Wirt. 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 You do. I don't. I don't speak German, so I'm not. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, I I encourage people to uh, well to subscribe to Culture Wars and get those articles because um, yeah, a lot of information in there, and it, it, of course, it speaks to the issue we're talking about tonight, of course, because that narrative is very important. To that's the power behind the accusation of anti-Semitism, because everything, any criticism leads is a you know, prelude to a program or another Holocaust. That's so, right. Yeah. That's right. The shelf life has expired, uh, and uh, thanks to Jonathan Greenblatt, it's going to go down much faster than otherwise would have happened. Well, that's 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 the price of chutzpah, isn't it? I think it is. You don't yeah. know boundaries. The rejection of logos has led you to feel that you can transgress any boundary and get away with it, and that's not going to work here. Okay. Well, I said I have you for an hour, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you, Tim. It's always a pleasure. It was a pleasure having you back on the show. That's Michael Jones, the, of course, the editor of Culture Wars magazine, culturewars.com, where you can go there and find the books, subscribe to the magazine, and uh, go from there. And also, you can, uh, he also, you now uh, host a weekly program on Friday on TV, right? Five, yeah. On, we're now on Cozy. Cozy TV, that's right. So your weekly program there. And, of course, all your interviews. Of course, you'll eventually link this interview there to the website there, culturewars.com. Right. Okay, well, listen, have a happy Thanksgiving. Same to you, Tim. And we're headed in the holiday season, so I wish you a uh, Merry Christmas. Of course, I, I, I suspect I might talk to you between now and the end of the year, so uh, we'll maybe we'll touch base in December. Good, good. See what comes up. Thanks so much. Good night, then. Bye-bye.